excited that you're here today. If you don't know me yet, would love to meet you. I usually hang out, loiter afterwards out over here. But I'm glad you're here today. This is Ocean's Church. You're sitting in a four-year-old miracle. I don't believe we're just a church. I believe this is a move of God. You saw the video, Baptized SoCal. We went to dinner last night. One of the great preachers in the world, and uh, they were super excited. They, we told them. They started texting some of the biggest worship leaders in the world. They're like, hey, you got to come be a part of this. So we got some big announcements coming up here shortly. Um, this is going to be wild, though. Really fired up for Baptized SoCal. Uh, but hey, today, if you're brand new to our church, I want to say welcome. Um, this year is a great year to get close to God. I actually encourage you, if uh, you could do something today, why would you wait to do it later? And I don't think there's another day better to get close to God than right now, right here. And so if you're here at Ocean's Church, my intention is to go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read 10 verses. And my thesis this morning, if you're taking notes, is I want to talk about the idea of how important it is to know God closely, to walk with God. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this title down. Give me your attention. 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 And uh, I believe that prayer is this idea of giving God your attention. I think most of our problems in life occur when we're giving something other than God our attention. Who would say your biggest mistakes in life were usually when you were honoring the wrong person with attention? I was given my carnal nature, full attention. I was given my greed, full attention. Given my perversion, my full attention. But what I have found is your greatest moments in life with God is when you actually learn how to carve out a time and a place and how to get into a rhythm that you give God your attention. Appreciate the front row clapping. God bless you. If you got your Bibles today, uh, Matthew chapter, chapter, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. If you're ready to have a good time, say, I'm ready. And uh, excited for what God's going to do this year. I need to believe this is a year of great faith and great wisdom. If you want great faith and great wisdom, just say amen. amen. This is the start of it. Wisdom builds the house, but it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. And so I believe when we fear God, we get wisdom. We get wisdom, we build well. And I do think that when we build well, we live with great faith. And so that's what we're going to do this year. I'm excited for this year. I've never been so full of expectation. To be honest with you, I've never had a first week of any year of my life that I've seen God do so much so quickly. I want to warn you. I'm telling you, I went to prayer Tuesday this week. Who was at prayer on Tuesday? Something has shifted. Our room that seats almost 500 almost had zero room in it. There was a bombarding of heaven. I could feel demons having nervous breakdowns. I could feel heaven opening wide, and it was like a spiritual fire being poured out. We have hit a critical mass, Ocean's Church, and I'm telling you, you better buckle up. This year is going to be outrageously good. If you believe it, shout a good amen. amen. Got your Bibles today. We're going to give God our attention. Matthew chapter 6, familiar passage for many of you, but I want to remind you these three things the next couple of weeks. The first part of Matthew 6, he says, and when you do a charitable deed, when you do something generous, he says, when, say it with me, when. when. When you do this, he goes on not to brag about it, not to be seen for it, and he goes on after he says, when you're giving, not if you give, but when you give. And then he goes past it, he says in Matthew 5, uh, verse 6, verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5, he says, and when, say it with me again, when. when. Not if, but when you pray. Praying's for pastors. That's what you're paid for, preacher. You're, you're the one that's supposed to pray. 
That is the weakness and the apathy of the church in the Western world. Is we want to employ others to pray so that we can go about our normal lives. I believe the power of the church is the people in the church that know how, that know how to pray. When you pray, I don't want you to be like the religious hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and on the streets that they might be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, say it with me, when you. Point at your neighbor say, when you pray. Come on, get that preacher's finger out say, when you pray. Go into your room. You don't have to say that part, but you can. It's very kind of you to keep going. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. The secret place. Greek word for secret just means a private, personal place. And your father who sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. I have no problem with this idea that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I think many of us never get rewarded because many of us don't seek diligently. But God is a rewarder. If we'll go in the secret, he'll reward us openly. People often ask, Mark, have you, are you surprised at what's happening right now? I'm like, I saw a lot of this already. I saw most of what's happening right now in a dream in 2013. I think God just needed someone to agree with what he already said. He rewards those who meet with him privately. He'll reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Vain repetitions. I'm going to stop for a minute for all of our father-daughters in the house. You know who you are. We had a girl in our Bible college that said Father God every other word when she prayed. And I had a pretty ruthless Bible professor. I'm not going to lie. This guy was militant. I'm like, I don't even know this guy was a Christian, but he was teaching in our college. Uh, it wasn't our church. Come on, somebody. It was someone else's, someone else's problem. But I'll never forget this girl was like, Father God, I just thank you that, Father God, we're going to go, Father God, over to the other side, Father God, today, Father God, and tomorrow, Father God, and yesterday, Father God, in red and yellow, black and white, yeah, Father God, we're your precious in his side, Father God. And it was just like, it was just, it was pretty intense. A lot of Father God going on. And this kind of rude professor came up to her and he's like, hey, um, you need to think about what you want to pray before you pray it. He's like, there's a lot of Father God going on. And she's like, Huh? She's like super mortified. He's like, you don't say, Dad, I'm going over here. Dad, tomorrow, I'm going to go here. Dad, do this, Dad. I was like, dude, you are ruthless. But you got a point. <laughs> Vain repetitions, as heathen do. But he says this. <laughs> Someone's like, you're ruthless. I'm just telling a story, people. Don't shoot me. Okay, so he goes on. <laughs> she learned how to pray great. She's a great prayer person now. Pastors, yeah, okay, we'll keep going. Um, so, uh, and when you pray, go into your room, and when you pray, shut the door, and your Father will you open. Don't use vain repetitions, the heathens do. Verse, uh, verse 8, here we are. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father, I love this part, he knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. You ever thought about this? If God knows what I need before I ask him, why do I ask him? And I'll be honest, there is a large segment in the Western world that is this very apathetic, lethargic view of what prayer is because they go, God already knows, so it just is what it is. But notice that when God says, I already know before you ask, but ask anyways. Seek anyways. Knock anyways. 
He says, therefore, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our, who remembers this? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in. And give us this day our and forgive us our debts or our sins or as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Verse 14, scary for some of you. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. It's always a scary verse when you got a bitter heart. But it's good. Come on, you guys ready to go? Full attention, full attention. Lord, we just ask you today to come. We want to know you, not religiously, not just in the name of God, uh, this litur liturgy type of way that we know you just in this formality, that we have to talk to you using the Queen's English, speak the language of Zion, and almost become someone that we're not, Lord, to come into your presence. We will honor you. We will extol you. We will worship you, and we will, we will glory in your majesty. But I ask you, Holy Spirit, today that you would teach us how to pray and how to pray effectively. I thank you that you said that my house, the church, it'll be called not a house of music, not a house of worship, not a house of, of messages, not a house of sermons. You said my house will be called a house of prayer. So teach us how to pray and how to pray well. In Jesus' name. And God's people said a good old-fashioned. I, uh, I think millennials grew up in one of the greatest windows of toys. It's going to be a tough service. I think we do because I think the younger generation, like the generations that's coming on the scene now, you got screens and technology that's so good, you don't even have to have an imagination anymore. Generation before us, all you had was an imagination. I feel sorry. My parents' generation, you had those green army men. That was a high-tech toy when my dad was growing up. He had green army men, like literally just green plastic army men. They couldn't bend. They didn't move. They didn't have joints. You couldn't pretend you were running or jumping. They were like literally just like a statue green army man. And you had to have this voracious imagination. And I grew up in an era of uh, G.I. Joe's. Micro machines, Tonka trucks. It's a true story. My brother-in-law, uh, Chris Wilde, he's a pastor of uh, our church back home in Idaho. He's got uh, 37 kids. <laughs> no, he's got a lot of kids. Not that many. He's got three sets of twins, though. And a bunch of boys. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but a lot of boys. And um, I thought, man, what I want to do is I want to bless all of my nephews. I'm going to buy them all Tonka trucks. So for Christmas, I, I refinanced our house, and um, I'm like, I want to buy them a gift that just lasts a lifetime. And these Tonka trucks showed up. Amazon delivered them. They opened up the packages, and it's like 10% of the Tonka truck is metal. I was so offended. I almost wrote a letter to Tonka truck, and they're like, we will miss you. They're trying to save money now. They're just, they want to save money. When I was growing up, Tonka trucks could be used to jack your car up. Like, oh, you got a flat tire? Here's my Tonka truck. Just pop you right up. We made good toys back in the 80s. Can I get a good amen? 
But I'll be honest, I was never mechanical. I, uh, I wasn't a mechanical person. Uh, my brother John, he's mechanical. Like, he puts stuff together really good. I'm not mechanical. I was not mechanical enough to put Legos together. For me, Legos are for engineers. Not for simple folk like me. My attention span's too short. I literally stress out putting Legos together. My seven-year-old gets Legos. I just usually throw them away. <laughs> Donate them. Like, I don't have time for that. She's like, no, I do. I, I, I do. I'll sit down with her. And she's like, Daddy, she's good at it. I'm like, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I got to like, I'm stressing out. I'm like, okay. I think it's this piece. It looks like this goes here. And my daughter's like, poof, 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 poof. Yeah, yeah. my brother John was so good at putting Legos together, he wouldn't have to read the instructions. He would just get the cover of the outside. Right. Wow. I was like, dude, you're not right. Yeah. Yeah. We were in Idaho, and he ordered a new bed for his daughter. He asked me if I could help him out. I'm like, dude, I guess you're desperate. <laughs> there was no directions that came with the bed. I said, bro, send it back. Yeah. This is wrong. This is unjust. Yeah. Make it right. Yeah. My brother John's like, no, 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 it's all right. We got a picture of the outside on the box. Yeah. I'm like, you're either an idiot or you're brilliant. Yeah. And he's brilliant. He could see the outside, and he was able to assemble everything by the picture of what it was supposed to become. And for me, I always had a hard time doing that. I had to follow the instructions one at a time. I'd have to give so much attention just to see the very next step. There's some people out there that could see what it should be and know how to put everything in place to make it become that. I heard one scholar say the main thing that God is asking for is our attention. Our greatest mistakes happen when we give the wrong thing our attention. And your greatest decisions in life occur when you give God your attention. Do you know there is no road that leads to dissatisfaction faster than giving your best attention to something other than God? Nothing leaves you more spiritually anemic. We have a generation of people that are spiritually anorexic. How do you know? Because they have no appetite for the things of God. You know you're sick. Why? Because the first thing that goes when you get sick is your appetite. You no longer give attention to food because you're sick. And some of you, you're like, Mark, I could live an entire year and not talk to God once. And I would say, friend, something is unhealthy in you because you were made to know God. Can I get a good amen? See, the Bible wasn't written to satisfy your curiosity. It was written like the cover of a Lego package to conform you to Christ. When we pray, God begins to assemble us into the image of his son. Many want a word from God in Orange County. They just don't want the word of God. We know enough to own a Bible, but not enough for the Bible to own us. And I'm telling you that God wants to assemble us, but it requires us giving us his attention, giving him our attention. Probably be a more theological way of saying that without being a heretic. 
Joshua preferred prayer support on a mountain more than military support in the valley. Joshua knew, man, prayer is so powerful that if Moses goes up there, we'll have a better chance to win with someone praying than just all of us fighting. I've heard it said that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. I believe that prayerless people cut themselves off from the prevailing power of God. Prayer is the key to unlocking God's prevailing power in your life. Most people don't realize this. Most, most don't realize that the problem with most of our issues in the world today is that we came into this world with a severe desire to run our lives. Most of what we do growing up revolves around us trying to be in control of our lives. Have you noticed this? That prayer flies in the face of our deep desire for self-reliance and self-sufficiency. It's crazy. From birth, we have been learning our human autonomy, independent living, to people in the fast lane trying to make it on their own. Prayer is an embarrassing interruption. I got things to do. I got people to meet. I got jobs to make. I got sales to earn. I got a living to make. I don't have time. I'm too busy to spend time with God. But I would tell you that if your attention is everywhere but God, you will miss out on what matters for eternity. Good spot for an amen right there. Most people don't call on God until they're in trouble. But the trouble is that that's the only time when you call on God is you actually are living in trouble. Prayer is one of the greatest weapons of humanity. The God of the universe would actually allow you to know him. Do you know what revival is? I wrote this down. Revival begins when men and women first inwardly have grown, longed to change the status quo of what's missing in their life, in their church, in their city. And they begin to call out to God with an, with an insistence. Prayer begets revival, which begets more prayer. Psalms 80 says it this way in verse 18. says, revive us that we might call on your name. Do you know what someone that spiritually wakes up does? Praise. And when you pray, you know what prayer does? It makes you want to spend even more with him. I actually believe this is so, this is so paramount in our day and era, uh, age that we live in. Paul warns in the last days there will be churches that gather but what will be missing in their midst will be power. And the power will be absent because the church has lost her identity of what prayer is. Prayer is when the people of God give God time, spaces, and windows to give God their full attention. Mark, I don't have 30 hours a week like some people do to pray. I get it. We live in Orange County. Everyone's hustling, moving 100 miles an hour. But just because you don't have a lot of time doesn't mean you don't have any time. And one of the biggest lies the enemy tells us is that someone else should do it, and you don't have time to do it. I would say if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. If you're, if you're microwaving Pop-Tarts, you're too busy. If you're tapping your foot when the Hot Pocket is cooking, you're too busy. If you're eating Hot Pockets, you're not healthy. I could keep preaching. The early church was born not with great preaching, but in a prayer meeting. It wasn't a worship service that started the Christian church. It was a prayer meeting. Listen to me. Spirit was poured out in a prayer meeting. The early church, when they were in trouble, Acts 4, look at their threats. They beat us. They harassed us. They didn't sue. They prayed. 
When the early church was intimidated, they didn't, they didn't push back, they prayed. When the early church was challenged, they prayed. When they were persecuted, they prayed. The early church had power because they knew where it came from. It came from attending to God's with your attention. Early church was vigorous, inflexible in faith, not fat and short of breath through prosperity or muscle bound by organizationalism. It had the flexibility and vigor because it knew how to give God their attention. The problem is it seems like the more God blesses you, the more you don't need to give God your attention. And I'm telling you, I don't want to get to the point that I can live without God and make it fine. The reason why I pray so hard every week for you and for this church is I know how insufficient I am without him. You will be bored out of your minds if I didn't spend time with him. I'm, I'm a broken, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing special. I found that I'm a zero like most of you. But if God, who is number one, stands next to me, I turn into a 10. And we're all zeros. And if God could be number one in your life, the moment you line yourself up to him and give him your attention, we become dimes. Most people don't realize that prayer changes things. The proof that Paul had really changed, that Saul of Tarsus was no longer a terrorist, is when he told Ananias, Ananias, it's okay. He's in the place here, and he is praying. Somehow that little cue to Ananias was, listen, if a former terrorist is no longer persecuting, but he's praying, it's safe, for I've changed his heart. Prayer is what changed Saul. It's the first thing that he wanted to do after he had an encounter with Jesus. And I think some people have never really had an encounter with Jesus because they've never really had a desire to pray. Prayer is one of the first things we want to do after we encounter God. Praying and saying lie on a continuum, according to Dallas Willard. The continuum represents different ways to address or solve a problem by co-laboring with God. Do you know that when you talk to God out loud, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. I'm, not about, I'm not against private meditation and quiet moments, but most of the time in the Bible, when they prayed, they they said, and, and there was a co-laboring, and as Willard says, a continuum between what was prayed and what was said. It's interesting that even in Matthew 21, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he spoke directly to the tree. Some of you have sickness. You know what God did? He spoke directly to the sickness. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, he said, Lazarus specifically. Because when God's word goes into a tomb full of dead bodies, if a specific name is not mentioned, the entire cemetery would have came alive. Prayer can be long, it can be short. There's prayers that lasted 40 days and 40 nights. There was a time period of 400 years that people prayed that God would speak again. There was long durations of prayer. There was a time that Jesus prayed 12 hours to select 12 disciples. He prayed one hour for everyone that he chose. Imagine God the, of the universe spending 60 minutes to select you. And there was other times he prayed short prayers. Lazarus, 
come forth. It does seem that the, the common thread here is that prayer is when human beings give God their eye contact and their undivided attention. It's when they get their eyes off of what, what's going on and their eyes on what God is doing. Can I get a good amen? There's a difference between contractual prayers and covenantal prayers. So many people pray religious prayers like God is obligated. And it's just a legal, it's just a legal deal. Imagine how dry and boring a marriage is that says, hey, legally we're married. Let's live like it. No, when you fall in love, you don't fall into a contract. You fall into a covenant. And when you're in a covenant, you don't talk like someone under contract. You talk to someone as though you were in a covenant. For better or for worse, in richness, are you hearing me today? Sickness and in health, until death do us apart. I'm not in a contract with God. I'm in a covenant with God. So I'm going to give him my best. Can I get an amen? Sometimes Jesus prayed in stages. Sometimes we give up because we pray one prayer. This is what the skeptic says. I prayed once. I heard you, preacher. I tried that one time. Didn't work. Well, like, I, I went to the gym on January 2nd. That trainer said I could get in shape. I sweated for 27 minutes on the elliptical. Yeah. Did four or five curls. My trainer, Gemini, was yelling at me. I found my favorite machine at the gym, the vending machine. And after my one visit to the gym, I do not have a six-pack. I'm offended. It doesn't work. What I have found is most things that do work don't happen the first time. Sometimes God is so sovereignly good, he'll answer it right out of the gate. But if Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, he prayed for a man's eyes, and he said, what do you see? And the guy goes, um, I see men like trees walking. And Jesus goes, that's not quite it. Let's pray again. If Jesus, who is God, had to pray more than one time for someone that had a progressional miracle, I would say that me and you that are not God, we might have to go to God more than once to see a prodigal come home, to see a breakthrough in our family, a restoration in our marriage, and a miracle in our business. Sometimes the pinata doesn't break in the first swing. Y'all don't want to mess with me with a pinata. I'm going to keep swinging until something comes out. We got too many people praying these little wimpy prayers like God's a wimpy God. God, if you can do anything, Lord, if it's your will for people not to have a terrible existence, Lord, if there's a way that you can actually provide $27, I know it's a lot. Praying these little tiny prayers. And some people actually, they brag about how godly they are by how much they don't ask for. I don't need anything. I'm happy to suffer for God. I'm happy to live on the streets. I'm happy to be poor like the people I'm reaching. I'm happy to be homeless like they're homeless and broken like they're broken so I can minister to them. How do you help people when you are struggling with the same things they're struggling with? I have all that I need. I'm glad you do. But what about the 90% of the world that doesn't have all they need? 
What about you're going to give an account one day for you living in the wealthiest nation, in the wealthiest state, in the wealthiest, in the wealthiest valley, in the wealthiest state, and have opportunities to job and income that people in the world would never have access to? Talking about, I'm okay, I'm just godly, just suffering, barely making it. No, we're supposed to be diligent. We have to win, and we have to win big for those that don't have the privileges and the luxuries of living in a free nation that's under God. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in here. Are you pro-America? I think it's good to be proud of where you live. If I didn't like America, I would move. And I've been to Australia 16 times. I've been to Malaysia six times, Singapore, Africa, South America. I choose to live here. I choose to pastor here because this is the greatest nation I've ever seen. That's all right. I'm sorry. I'm fired up today, man. It's always the people that have never left America that complain the most about it. You are blessed, and your poverty doesn't prove your godliness. And I'm not saying that your prosperity does, but I am saying that, man, we should be those that say, God, I'm praying big prayers. I'm going to finance an orphanage one day. Yeah, I'm going to help build a church one day. Yeah, I'm going to adopt some kids out of foster care one day. You know what it means to be blessed? It doesn't mean you have a jet and a Rolls Royce. It means that you have enough to take care of somebody else. Feel something in here. Most people have never seen a miracle because they've never taken the trouble to go out and lay hands on someone that's sick. They never prayed for someone that needed a miracle. I've never seen a miracle. How many people have you prayed for? I've talked to people that have prayed. I've prayed for thousands of people. One of, the, one of the professors I had in college, he said, I prayed for thousands. And in his estimation, he said it was probably somewhere between 10 and 25% of the people he would personally pray for would be healed. Well, that's not a high statistic. Well, I think we have more when we ask for more. When he told me that, I'm like, Lord, let me get to 50%. Let's one-up this guy. I think God honors the prayers that we ask big. I don't think God is flattered when we come to him with small expectations. Some of you, I can tell how big God is to you because you just have these little tiny requests. Sneaks, we gas money. Well, that's cool. He knew more, he'd be gas. If he can save your soul. Some of you are getting tires today. And you're like, I have, no, I have nothing, God. God's like, dude, I got you. You're getting, you're getting new tires today. God's taking care of your... If God could take care of the enemy slashing your tires. I don't know. I think that prayer is when we give God our undivided attention. We give him our priority. We give him our passion. We give him our persistence. Oh, I feel something. So many people give God one of those things. I'm going to give you my priority. I'm going to give you my passion. I'm going to give you my persistence. I'm not going to show up one time to F45 and say, it doesn't work. Put a sign out in front of F45, picketing. This gym is false advertising. They don't help people get in shape. I worked out here three times, and I'm still awfully out of shape. So some people do with churches that believe for miracles. Quite frankly... I love, man, I love our, our Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches. Usually, my observation is, uh, the Bible churches that usually have their name, Bible, in the name of their church, 
They emphasize the word with little or no practical theology of the Holy Spirit's role and power in the individual and the corporate church life. In these churches, there is no training and there's usually no expectation that prayer can heal the sick. They believe in random miracles occasionally. Healing is viewed with suspicion. And I take no joy in reporting this today that in all good such churches like this that they do, they tend to be spiritually dead, legalistic, and lukewarm. On the other hand, Pentecostal, charismatic, third wave churches, some call them, they can err in becoming doctrinally sloppy, biblically illiterate, or just plain goofy. I have found that God is looking for people that would actually give God their mind, but also give God their passion. Seems like you have to choose today. Is it an academic church? Or is God moving there? But it's crazy. I heard Clyde Cook once say, who is the former president of Biola University. This is documented, so it's okay for me to share this. In 1982, from 2007, he was the president of Biola. This is what he said. He used to say that he attended Bible churches his whole life. He says, if I were ever to get sick, I would go to a charismatic church for prayer. And I think that his perspective is worth pondering. Oftentimes, people make fun of churches that believe God for big things, that say that prayer can change things, until you're in a situation that you need something big. So mock us today for believing that God can do anything. So throw, throw rocks at us and slit the tires of our cars for preaching that God is still good enough to heal sick bodies, that he still speaks loud enough for his kids to hear his voice. But you'll know if you're in need what parking lot to show up to and to get a, get a hand laid on you with someone that has a church that says Ocean's Church. Maybe for now we'll miss you, but one day you'll come back and say, that's exactly what I needed. Some say it's too strong, it's too passionate, it's too raw, it's too much. But to you I would say, why do we not say such things at sporting events? Why do we tolerate high praise everywhere? except church why do we have no problem with idolizing celebrities and celebrating producers and applauding directors but somehow bringing average praise to the god that made everything he's worthy not only of attention but our highest attention listen to me no one is a firmer believer in prayer than the devil not that he practices it but he suffers from it. In heaven, there will be no prayer. You think about that. What we get to do on this side won't be needed on the other side. All the faith we exercise must be exercised here. We don't need to exercise faith in heaven. I don't pray for sick bodies in heaven. I don't pray for broken minds in heaven. We don't pray for restoration and marriages in heaven. We don't pray for sick children in heaven. All the faith, all the attention that is needed is needed now. So I'm summonsing our church to say, doggone it, as for me and my house, I'm going to live this life for eternity 
with faith, praying big prayers to a God that still responds to the cry of his people. We are those who call on God's name. To be much for God, we must be much with God. Prayer links man, his, his impotence, to God's omnipotence. And if you can't hear God today, you can read him. I think most people don't realize J.C. Ryle, famous preacher, said the Christian is known by two great marks, his inner warfare and his inner peace. I believe how we take ground on the outside and how we live with peace on the inside is how well we are at giving God attention consistently. I'm not putting laws on you that you have to pray for six hours a day, that you have to fast 40 days and 40 nights. I'm saying, where are the Christians that believe that God still listens when we talk to him? You know, before we were called Christians in Antioch, followers of the way in Jerusalem, disciples of Jesus before that, before we were the Hebrews, the children of Israel, Abraham's descendants, before all of that, in Genesis chapter 4, after the fall, the first title given to our people, you know what that was? In Genesis 4, 26, it says, after Cain killed his brother Abel, it says, Adam and Eve had another child named Seth. And when Seth was born, right after he was born, Enosh, it says, and at that time in history, men began to call on the Lord. I believe what we are as sons and daughters of God more than anything else are those that believe that we serve the God that when we call, when we cry, when we pray, and when we give Him our attention, He hears, He fills, He saves, He redeems, and He answers. I don't know who you are and where you are, but the only thing that's separating you from the, the date on your tombstone of when you started life and the date that you finished this life, you go to any cemetery in the world, you see a start date and an end date. And the only thing that tells the story is the dash in between. And my conviction as the pastor of this church is I don't know how much time God's going to give me and in our church and in our, in our life and in this, in this world. I don't know. My prayer is I get the pastor of this church for 50 years. My prayer is, is that we get to see Oceans Church go to every major ocean in the world. My prayer is that we have 2,500 college students that we're sending all over the world. My prayer is that we have a business network that's funding third world nations to get out of poverty with world-class economic uh, economists. I have visions that God has given me, but I want to tell you this very loud and very clear, that with my dash, I want to give God my undivided attention. Let it be said... That from the year of our Lord, 1983, until either Jesus returns or until I go home, and let it be said of all of us, that we leveraged our dash to give God our full attention. And when you pray, our Father in heaven, awesome is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every day we wake up, we say, give us this day our daily bread. And every day someone hurts us, we say, Lord, forgive them the way you've forgiven me. 
people have hurt us. If you want to do anything great for God, get ready for people to accuse you of stupid things. Slander you for false things. We've had people accuse us of being witches and traffickers and, and a part of the Illuminati. People have said stupid things about us. I've leveraged our lives to do the opposite. And if you can't see the fruit of our lives, you're blind. But here's what I do every day. I don't get bitter. I say, Lord, forgive these people that are slandering us the way that you've forgiven me. Well, I'm, I feel like God's called me to be the police department for the body of Christ, to throw rocks at pastors and leaders and churches to keep them accountable. Listen to me, Jethro. If you were to follow my wife around the rest of your life, taking notes after Rochelle, watching everything she didn't do right, she didn't pick up her plate here. She didn't use her blinker here. She forgot to put the lid on the toothpaste. <laughs> put the toilet paper roll on backward. I mean, there's, there's things. There's some things. Not many. There's a few. If you inventoried all that my wife didn't do perfectly, and at the end of her life, you came to me and said, hey, I got a gift for you, God. I took notes of how flawed your wife is. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus applauds that? I know what I would do. I would say, I know the flaws of my wife, and I still chose her. Because my love covers her weaknesses. Perfect love cast out. Love covers a multitude of sins. So here's what I tell all of you police officers in your mom's basements blogging about pastors that are doing way more than you'll ever do. Let me tell you this today. That uh, if they're doing something wrong, God will deal with them. You don't have to. I had a business guy years ago during the recession say, I don't know if I like the way that this church in Idaho is doing the finances. I think something's off. I said, well, I don't give to this church. I give to God. And what I know is that if, he's do if our leaders of this church are doing something wrong, God will deal with them. This is his church. And God will still reward me, and he can deal with them because he's that big. No, I got to be judge, jury, law. No, 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 no. If God, who knows everything, waits for you to die to judge you, who in the world are you? to judge somebody with partial knowledge while someone's still alive. Get out of God's seat. Revenge belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to God. He's the judge. I feel something in here today. We got too many slanderers in the body of Christ. Too many gossipers in the body of Christ. Where are the people that pray? I don't need more gossip. We need people to prayer. I don't know who you are, where you are. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The devil's description is he is the accuser of the brethren. You want to be a child of Satan? Accuse leaders in the church. You want to be a child of God? Pray for people. Sorry, I feel something. I'm a little rowdy. It's in this water. I'm going to pray. Who wants to give God your full attention? In my dash, I give you my attention. I had points, but what good are points? We're going to go. If you're here today, someone right now, this is really cool. You, uh, right now, I see God healing. Uh, it's like a left kidney right now. It's been failing. 
I think you've even like done some preliminary. You might have done some. Um, you've had to do like some blood transfusions. You had hooked up machines. Your left kidney's failing. And I see God healing a left kidney right now. That's so awesome. I see it. I see someone right now. There's a mass on the back of your eye. Doctors aren't even sure exactly how to how to how to do surgery on it. It's in a really precarious uh, situation and a placement. And I see God healing the back of your eye right now. Someone that you slit your wrist when you were younger, every time you look down, that scar reminds you of your low moment. And I see God even healing the scar tissue on your wrist. Yeah, he, he did it once. He's going to do it again. If someone, you have laryngitis. Feels like you're swallowing knives right now. Feel like you're swallowing knives right now. God's healing your throat. In Jesus' name, I ask once. In Jesus' name, I ask twice. In Jesus' name, I ask three times. We ask that you would heal the sick. We ask that you would do gifts of miracles, gifts of healings. We pray big prayers to a big God. So we give you our full attention today. If you believe he can heal cancer, come on, would you clap? If you believe that he can heal blind eyes, would you clap? If you believe that he could sever a addiction to heroin, to pain pills, to opioids, give him a shout of praise. If you believe that today is the day of salvation, give him one more roar in these tents. So we close. We close with power because we're a praying church. If you need a touch from God physically, mentally, you need a healing in your body, you need a deliverance from an addiction, Maybe you need a financial breakthrough. Maybe there's a relational broke down, uh, something broke down in your relationship. Today, you have a need and you want to give God your attention to receive. I want you to lift both hands towards heaven right where you are. Doesn't make you weird. It makes you alive, probably. Makes you alive. Makes you alive. You're listening. You're listening. My heart's soft. Lift real high, real high. If you're hungry, come on, God, if you will hear me, if you will heal me, if you will respond, I lift my hands high to you. I would love it, Oceans, if you would show these people how much faith we got in these tents and our God. I would love it. If there's two people next to each other with your hands up, put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and put the other hand in the air. If, uh, if not, find someone that has their hand up. I want every person that has their hands up in these tents to have someone lay hands on them. If you're at home watching right now, God's power is not limited to these tents. He'll meet you in your boardroom. He'll meet you in your dorm room. He'll meet you right where you are on the beach. Heal. Heal a kidney. Heal a cancer. Heal a disease. Heal a disorder. Someone has an eating disorder, you've had it for 11 years, and God is severing the addiction. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made, and today's the end of that season of your life. Hands up, come on, give your hand on somebody, pray this prayer, Oceans. Say, in Jesus Christ's name. I need you to muster some faith. Say, in Jesus Christ's name. We call on heaven. We give attention to the God who made everything. We call on the God that sustains everything. We ask you to heal in Jesus' name. We ask you to deliver in Jesus' name. We ask you to help in Jesus' name. Do it faster, do it better, do it miraculously for the glory of your name. So we release healing. Say it, healing, power, presence, love, flow now in Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. It's coming right now. Just ask the person. Do you feel, you feel anything? Some of you just test. Test it. Is your eye seeing better? Is your ear opening up? I prayed last night that someone that lost hearing in an ear will get their hearing back. Come on, just test it right now. Test it right now. If you feel God touching you, would you just wave me? Give me a wave. You feel like electricity or heat. You feel this presence over you right now. Just give me a wave. Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Over here in the back. Over there. Over there. Over there. Just keep waving. If you didn't feel anything yet, put your hand up again. We're going to try it a second time. If you didn't feel healed the first time, raise your hand again. I dare you to double dip. I dare you. I double dog dare you to get after God again. I don't feel any different, Mark. Put your hand up again. So if you got some faith, go find somebody right now, their hand up. We're going to pray a second time. Bring it down, bring it down, man. Bring it down, bring it down. Bring it down, bring it down. Watch this. Second time. We pray. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. We pray right now. Come on, close your eyes. We're not praying to Mark Francie. Thank God. This isn't in my power. It's not my might. It's not my ability. I want you to put your hands up really high if you need a touch. You didn't get touched yet. Some of you did. I feel like someone just got healed of like some sort of like really weird breathing disorder in your lungs. You can feel it in your chest. That is real. That is God. And you'll never be the same. You're like some sort of crazy like uh, generational uh, like asthma. And God's healed your chest right now. I can see it healed right now. Right now. Now this is awesome. Watch. Watch. If you didn't get touched yet, you don't feel anything. Just lift your hands. I'm not promising you're going to feel something. I'm not even promising you're going to get healed. But I am promising you that we're going to pray our very best prayer to give God our full attention. And I'm praying, Lord, today for more than 50%. God, that you would heal. I pray more than 60%. More than 70%. I pray for the skeptic that says, even if it was 99%, it wouldn't be me. I'm praying for you right now. Lift your hands. And I ask you, Lord, if you pray twice for a blind man to see, we pray twice that you would do what doctors can't do, what rehab would take a long time to do, what counseling would help out doing. We're asking, Lord, that all those things are great, but we're asking you right now, without surgery, without an appointment, I ask you right now that you would do something sovereign. I ask you that right now, whether it's a shoulder blade that's out, whether it's a spine that was damaged from an accident, someone was dropped as a child and there's been a fracture in your skull that's never healed properly it's caused it's caused headaches it's caused problems it's caused dizziness it's affected your equilibrium and god is healing you right now man i can feel it i can see it there's someone right now you have like this uh droopy uh droopy part of your cheek and god is restoring the the atrophy in your face right now right now come on read right now right now i pray right now you would heal right now stroke recoveries right now muscle atrophy coming back numb toes numb fingers feeling coming back now we call on heaven we call on heaven so with your hands up come on over the dance just say i receive a second time, a second touch. I pray, Lord, right now, by this time tomorrow, 
by this time on Tuesday, by this time on Wednesday, by this time on Thursday, by this time on Friday, by this time on Saturday. I pray the next six days, everyone that we just prayed for, some will wake up tomorrow better, some will wake up Tuesday better, some will wake up Wednesday better, some will wake up Thursday. I see like Amazon, it says it's coming Friday, it's coming Thursday, it's coming Saturday, it's coming January 19th, it's coming January 22nd. God will deliver on His promise. So we put our hands up and we put our hands down our hearts and we say, Lord, in 2022, we give you our attention. That's all I'm going to pray. If you're up for that, come on, say it with some conviction. Say, Lord, revive us in 2023 to give you our undivided attention. Last thing we do today and we're out. I'll be out of here in just a few minutes. Hands down just for a moment, eyes closed. If you know you're not living for Jesus, I'm not asking if you went to Christian school. I'm not asking if you don't have Christian family members. I'm not even asking if you believe in the Bible or believe in God. The demons believe in Jesus and they're not going to heaven. I'm asking today if you want to go more than just belief. You want to surrender to that belief. That I want to give God preeminence to be the Lord of my life, the director of my life, the leader of my life. I want him to forgive me and to fill me and to lead me from here out. I'm not asking if you believe, demons believe. I'm asking, will you surrender? Will you surrender your life to him? I promise you'll, you'll regret a lot of things at the end of your dash. You will not regret surrendering to him. You'll regret other stuff. You won't regret your surrender. Most of you, the only thing you might regret is not doing it sooner. I wish I would have given God like four years earlier. Would have saved a lot of heartache, problems, addictions. If you're here today all over the, all over the tents, if you're online, you can write heart, H-E-A-R-T on the count of three. But if you're in the room, I'll give you a few moments here. Just close your eyes. All over the tents. No one's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I do feel strong. This is the day of salvation. And don't wait for the end of this year what you can do at the beginning of it. I feel like the Lord says, if you disregard this moment, He's coming for you still, but it could be a year of just like trauma that will build up that you'll have to deal with the next 10 years of your life. And God's saying, avoid that off-ramp. Take it now. Take it now. Don't say, I'll do it later. I have a few more wild things I want to do, and then I'll come to God. God says, take me now. I feel it strong. If that's you, eyes closed, heads are bowed. You can start raising your hands if that's you. I don't want to just believe in God. I want to surrender my life to Him. I want to live not for my will, but for His will. I'm not asking you to be a pastor. I'm not asking you to be a preacher. I'm not asking you to read your Bible 20 hours a day. I'm asking, do you need to surrender your life to God? Put Him in control of your life. I don't care if you're 90 years old or you're 9 years old. I just want you to lift your hands all over the tents. If you're online, you, you can write H-E-A-R-T. And on the count of three, all over the tents, everyone's going to raise their hands. It needs to raise their hands. There's already probably about 20 hands that are up. So that means we're, this is the right message this time of the year. So one, I pray everyone that needs to respond would not miss this moment. Two, don't do later what you can do today. Real high right now. That's me. Three, I'm not going to bear 
parachute. Keep it up, real high, real high, real high. There's five, there's six, there's seven, there's eight, there's nine, there's 10, there's 11, there's 12, there's 13, there's 14, yeah, there's 15, there's 16, real high. There's 17, there's 18, I see you, 19, I see you, I see you, I see 19. I don't know if I counted her, that's 20, that's 19 or 20 for sure. 19 or 20 for sure, you put your hands down. Hey, Ocean, let's pray, those online, I'm telling you, I'm not there in the room, it doesn't matter, it does matter. God sees what you do right now in this moment. So I don't care if you're listening to this message in 2040 and I am like almost retired. Come on, somebody. If God's speaking to you right now as you listen to this audio or this video, if you're one of my grandkids listening to this message, you respond now. Jesus' name, I feel something. God lives outside of time. We respond. You ready? Isn't that crazy thought? What if my grandkids get saved? through this message one day when I'm with the Lord. Be kind of cool. Anyways, just had a moment there. Selah. Blew my own mind. Let's pray this prayer with those 20. Say, Jesus, today I go from, from believing to surrendering. I give you my heart my future, my dreams. I lay everything at your feet. Would you heal me, please? Would you forgive me? And would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and an appetite to pray? From here out, give me a love for your Bible. I ask for a great church, and I ask you for friends that love you more than I do. In Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer. I want to encourage you to download the Bible on your phone. It's a free app. If you live around here, you can come to this church. We'll recommend other churches that are great. If you don't live around here, and get involved in a small group. Just grab a seat. We'll get you out of here in two minutes.